understand this, that when you go to bed angry at your spouse, it becomes like cement in your spirit. And you wake up, you're in a whole different place because that anger has resided in you all night long. Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. If you're going to get angry, even if it's good anger, let it be, don't let it be um, like for a long time where it starts damaging your inner man, your soul, and your spirit. Don't give the devil a place. And the word for place is the word topos. And it means don't give him room. Don't give him an opportunity. Don't give him a little place where he can get his foothold there and he can build a stronghold in your life. And anger is one of the main places where we give the devil a foothold. We give him place. And Paul says, don't give a place to the enemy. Be careful with this emotion of anger. Use it wisely. Use it righteously. Because if you use it unrighteously, it will destroy you. It'll destroy your health, your relationships. It'll start breaking down your emotions. It'll start breaking down your spirit and your soul. It is a destructive emotion. But at the same time, it's a very positive emotion if it motivates us toward righteousness. You know, if we didn't get angry about things like abortion, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't pray about it. We wouldn't lobby against it. We wouldn't be sidewalk counselors outside the, the uh, Planned Parenthood. We wouldn't be involved. It's anger that moves us to be involved. We're angry that people are being murdered. Sit back and should not be murdered. If we didn't get angry about things like sexual trafficking, we would just sit back and let people be trafficked. We need to be angry about some things so that we can take appropriate action, exactly what God would want us to do. Jesus showed righteous anger, but he was never angry with unrighteous, destructive anger. When he cleansed the temple, that was one of the biggest times, examples, when we see his righteous anger on display. So let's read that quickly in Mark 11. Go to Mark 11. Fifteen through eighteen. So when they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And then he taught, saying to them, "Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations?" but you have made it a den of thieves. So what was happening here is that Jesus saw his father's house being used for personal profit. He saw that the people who came to sacrifice to God with their animals were told that their animals were blemished. And so they weren't allowed to sacrifice what they brought. They had to buy more expensive animals from the priests. So there was, there was some guilt there of, they were being exploited. There was extortion taking place. And they, these worthy, so-called worthy sacrificial animals were so expensive that some of the more poor people who came to sacrifice couldn't do so. They were turned away from offering their sacrifice in the temple. They were turned away from being able to worship God through their sacrifice. And so Jesus was jealous for God's house to be revered 
to be, for it to be treated with respect as God intended, for it to be a house of prayer, not a house of merchandise. He was angry that the people were not being allowed to worship his father who was worthy of their worship. He was angry that they were being ripped off by these priests that were in it all for themselves. And in his righteous anger, he began to overthrow the temple, the, the tables in the temple. And even in that anger, he was under the control of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't out of control. He knew exactly what he was doing and how much of it he was doing. And when he said, you have made this temple a den of thieves, they knew what he was referring to in the book of Jeremiah, where he wasn't really only saying you are thieves. He was condemning them for some other sins that were listed there. And they knew the scripture well enough to know what he was speaking to. So this was a, a major time in the life of God the Son when he took issue with the sin that was going on and he stepped in to bring judgment right then. When Jesus faced sin, such as greed, pride, hypocrisy, he felt righteous anger. But when he was attacked personally, he did not react. He had no self-protecting anger. 1 Peter 2.23 says, when he was reviled, it's also a word that means insulted or despised, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So Jesus is our example. We see other people being mis mistreated, we can get angry, and we can set the record straight. We can deal with it. But when it comes to us being mistreated, that's when we don't react. That's when we don't threaten in return. We don't revile in return. Unrighteous anger is selfish, sinful, and destructive. And we show this anger both passively and aggressively. See if you recognize in yourself some of these angers. Here's passive anger includes sarcasm, irritability, moodiness, withdrawal, criticism, and resistance to authorities. Aggressive anger includes shouting, temper tantrums, abusive and violent language, and disruptive behavior. So the Bible tells us that God's anger is often due to man's sin and wickedness or to jealousy for the worship of his people. He knows that our disobedience, our idolatry will lead us to destruction. So it's in his jealousy over us and, and for our worship that he gets angry and that's for our good. He's jealous for us to be blessed. He wants what is best for us. And so he doesn't want us worshiping false gods. He doesn't want us walking into sin that's going to destroy us. So God's anger is motivated by his love. He gives us commands like borders. And if we will stay within those borders and keep those commands, then we'll be blessed. Our anger, though, is usually motivated by our love for ourselves. We get angry when someone has crossed our boundaries, when they've taken our rights, when they've blocked our goals. We may be angry when we feel threatened or frustrated, when we've been physically or emotionally hurt. Sometimes we use anger to get our own way or to make our opinions heard. 
Our anger is usually self-centered and self-protecting. The Lord gives us some clear instructions regarding anger in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 16, verse 32, he says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Chapter 29, verse 11 says, A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Proverbs 19, 11 says, A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. And then chapter 22, verses 24 and 25 says, do not be friends with an angry man and do not go with a furious man lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. If we hang out with bitter, angry people, we will become like them because anger is contagious and it does ensnare the soul. Let's turn to James chapter one. James 1 comes after Hebrews. Read verses 19 and 20. James says, verse 19, Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man and every woman be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You know, if we were slower to speak, we would be slower to wrath. We often speak very quickly, and we express our anger when we do. Verse 20 says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Man, those are, those are two serious verses there. Every one of us is to be quick to hear, to listen well. You know, if we listen fully to the situation before we react, we probably would be spared a lot, of, a lot of anger because we tend to react quickly before we've heard the whole scenario. So we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger because our anger does not produce the righteousness of God in us. If we have a problem with anger, it's a serious problem because it prevents the righteousness of God from being established in our lives in that area. It gives a foothold to the enemy where he can build a stronghold right there and tempt us in other areas of our lives because he has a resting place in our hearts. And then let's turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, we're going to read verses 24. No, I'm sorry, we're going to start with 19 and read through verse 24. Starting in verse 19, Galatians 5, it says, The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. I'm going to slow down now because we're getting up to the anger issues. Hatred is often part of an anger issue. Contentions, those are uh, when you're offended and you argue a lot. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath. It's another form of anger. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, 
murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are some serious words. If we are guilty of those things, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. You guys, if we will walk out the fruit of the spirit, we will not cave in to anger. They directly oppose anger. If we can ask the Holy Spirit to build his fruit in our lives and we yield to him where he is living through us and we're living in that place of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, then we won't be overreacting. We won't be lashing out in anger. We won't be speaking harsh words that are destructive to other people. You have a handout in your book called Steps Toward Victory Over Anger. And it's right after this chapter. It follows the teaching chapter. And if you don't have the leader's book, then you have the handout as well in your student manual. And I'm just going to point out a few of these. I would suggest that you read this at home. Read the, the whole lesson because I haven't taught the whole lesson. But look at number three. It says, be aware of displaced anger. Displaced anger is when you're angry about one thing, but you take it out on something else. So let me ask you, what do you do with your anger? Do you withdraw? Do you not speak to people? Do you just shut down emotionally? Are you angry at the other drivers on the road like Reuven mentioned? Do you clean your house with quick and hurried movements? Are you impatient? In a conversation, do you find yourself not really listening to the person, but thinking in your mind, would you hurry up and get to the point? <laughs> Ask the Lord to help you deal with the real cause of your anger, because it's really not probably the things that you're expressing anger toward. There's probably a deeper root cause there. If you find that you have, have a low grade anger all the time, then there's a root cause that you need to allow the Holy Spirit to get to, to surface. Could have been something that happened years ago when you were young. Maybe you're violated in some way, molested in some way, rejected, abandoned. And that, that rejection turned into an issue of anger. And since then, you find it easy to lash out in anger and you're not even that much in touch with the pain anymore. But anger usually starts with hurt. So if you can get to the root of where the hurt is, where the pain is, and pray into that, then you can repent of the anger and start walking in acts of repentance. Remember John the Baptist said, don't, don't just come with me with your words of repentance. Show the fruit of repentance by your actions, by your words. Show that you've repented by the way you've changed. And if we try to change on the surface level, I'm not going to react like that. I'm not going to talk that way. I'm not going to feel anger. I'm not going to speak anger. I'm not going to act angry. And we try to change ourselves. That doesn't really work. What we need to do is allow the Holy Spirit to change us from deep within, to heal the hurts that are deep inside, to set us free from the stronghold that the enemy has gotten there. 
and then say, as we repent of our anger, sometimes it's become a habit. We react with anger because it's, it's a habit with us. And then we say, Lord, would you heal me? Would you heal the hurt that was the beginning of my problem? Would you heal the rejection? Would you heal the abandonment? And then, Lord, would you deliver me from anger? Would you deliver me from every evil spirit of anger that is oppressing me? Would you set me free from every stronghold of anger in my life? And then, Lord, would you help me to walk in the fruit of the Spirit? Would you help me to walk in kindness and impatience. You know, normally with anger comes a lot of impatience. So pray for the fruit of patience in your life. Pray for understanding. Pray for tenderness. Pray for gentleness. All things that are part of the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> so another question, uh, number four says to evaluate your anger. So ask yourself, what's making me angry? Why am I feeling all this emotion? Is my anger really justified or is there another way that I could look at this situation? So that's kind of being your own counselor, trying to get to the root of things that you can pray into. I know I've mentioned it before, but I want to mention again that in discipleship, as we're becoming disciples of Jesus, we've got the word of God in front of us and this is our goal. We want to become just like Jesus. We want to live out the word of God. We want our life to be aligned with the will of God and the word of God. But often we don't get there because we're tripping over our past. We still have issues that have not been resolved. We have pain from the past, rejection from the past, offense from the past, and we've never really resolved it. We haven't gotten the healing we've needed. We haven't forgiven like we we should have, we haven't received forgiveness like we should have. And so we're walking in shame. We're carrying guilt and shame that the Lord wants to totally set us free from. And so that's all part of discipleship too. It's very frustrating to try to walk out the word when you keep, you keep tripping over your past. So allow the Lord to get to the deepest places in your life that started years and years ago to heal them, to set you free so that you can live out the word of God. And then learn to deal with the sin of your anger. Unrighteous anger is a sin. It's a work of the flesh that we read in Galatians 5. Arguing is part, the contentions. That's a work of the flesh. So deal with it as sin. First, confess every angry thought or deed quickly. God's word commands us to cease from anger and forsake wrath. So it's a clear command. Put away all bitterness and wrath. That's also in scripture. Forgive those who offend you as soon as you feel the anger. Don't feel it, get angry and let it start tearing you up until you get a stomach ache and you get a headache and you're thinking how you're gonna get revenge, how you're gonna deal with this person in the future and you've gone into all kinds of mental gymnastics. Instead, get right into the presence of God. Bring it to the Lord. Forgive as quickly as you can, as thoroughly as you can. If you are habitually angry, Ask the Lord to heal you and deliver you. Don't just live with it. Don't just say, well, I'm just an angry person. I've got a friend who lives on strong medication to control his anger. And that's the only way he can because he's not turning to the Lord. 
He's turning to doctors and medication to control his anger. And you guys, if we don't turn to the Lord, that's where we'll all end up if we have serious anger issues. We need to turn to the Lord and let him deal with our anger. So let him heal you of it. Let him heal you of the habit pattern of it. Ask him to deliver you from it. Ask him to uproot the deep angers and the bitterness that resides in your heart. You know, it's not your fault what happened to you. Some, things, some of you have really suffered at the hands of others or at the words of others, and that wasn't your fault. But what you've done with it is your fault. If you've allowed bitterness to accumulate, that's your fault. You've got to take responsibility for that and say, Lord, I re I'm sorry. I confess my bitterness. I confess my anger. Would you uproot that off of my heart and out of my life? And would you sit on the throne of my heart again? Would you rule and reign from my heart? I don't want the anger to reign over me. I don't want the fear of man to reign over me. I don't want the fear of criticism or the fear of rejection to reign in my life. I want Jesus to reign in my life. So we ask him to uproot these things. Not, it's not a surface prayer. It's from the deepest parts of us. Lord, take it out of us. Take it out of our emotions. Take it out of our memory bank. Take it out of the, our habits of speaking and of acting. Ask someone to pray with you for freedom if you need that. If you cannot pray thoroughly enough by yourself, which many of us cannot, that's why God put us together in the body, then ask someone to pray with you. Sometimes you can't even get to the deepest roots unless someone helps you by asking certain questions and praying certain prayers. And there are people here that can pray with you and there are people that are not in this room that can pray with you. So get some help. Don't just think, this is the way I am. I've just got to live with this because you don't have to. Unless we let the Holy Spirit change our thinking patterns, our anger will gradually destroy us and our spiritual maturity. Our anger grieves the Holy Spirit and it robs us of the abundant life that the Lord wants to give us. So let me say again, there is a time to be angry. That's to be angry at sin. And, and the Lord puts, allows us to feel that anger so that we will do and say the right thing. You know, if we didn't care, if we never had anger at sin, we would just sit back and let the enemy run all over everybody, hold everyone captive, destroy lives. But because we love people, because we love God, we hate the sin. And so there's a time to stand up and be heard. Speak when you need to speak. Don't be shy to speak up and, and quote scripture or speak truth into a situation or speak life where there's death. But be careful, be wary of personal anger that will destroy you. If it's something against you and you've taken up an offense towards someone else, toward the church, toward a school, toward a university, toward your neighbor, toward a family member. You know, you can be angry at an institution. <clears throat> we know people that are angry at the church and they've left the church and they're not going back. And they'll say, I walk with Jesus. I love the Lord. I read the Bible every day, but I am not going back to any church. You know, that's anger. That's bitterness. And it's destructive. Don't let it happen to you. God's got a high calling on each of your lives. Don't give in to just carnal, destructive anger and lose what God has 
in, in place for you. So Jesus said in Matthew 5, you've heard the law that you shall not murder, but I say to you, do not be angry with your brother without a cause. Don't speak to him with contempt and don't call him abusive names. Let's walk in kindness. Let's walk in forgiveness. Let's walk in tenderness with one another. None of us know the whole story of what everyone else is carrying. Remember back in my university days, one of the quotes that has stayed with me all this time is, is walk softly for every man you meet is carrying a heavy weight. Everyone is carrying a cross. We all carry a cross. Let's be gentle with each other. Everyone out there is carrying some kind of weight, some kind of cross, some kind of pain. Let's be gentle with them. Let's be understanding. Let's be loving. Let's be forgiving. But let's speak up for righteousness when we need to do that. Let's speak up for life. So this is how I want to pray. You may find this awkward. I hope you don't. I don't. I think it's important for us to get on our knees and do some business with God. And these are the kind of things I, I, I believe as I was praying about tonight that the Lord put in my heart. I believe it's from him that we need a time of just private confession of our own anger. We need to just get to the root of it and say, man, Lord, I have been angry. I've, I've shown passive anger. I've shown aggressive anger. I've pushed everything down. You know, if you take anger and you push it inward, it becomes depression. So if you struggle with depression, anger could, part, could be part of the root of that. So ask, if you don't know right off, just say, Lord, please show me. Do I have an anger issue? Is there something here, Holy Spirit, that you want to deal with? And then repent of that. Choose to put off the anger and to put on the kindness and the self-control. It doesn't happen with just a choice, but if you never make a choice, you'll never do it. And then I want to also pray that the Lord will heal the wounds that we've walked through over the years of angry words spoken to us that damaged our soul, that damaged our spirit, angry actions that people did toward us, actions of rejection, actions of abuse that have damaged us. I want to pray about that. I also want to ask the Lord to enable us to use righteous anger for his purposes. And that's where probably a lot of us need prayer to stand up for what is really righteous. I want to pray about that too. But if you'd be willing, can you just get on your knees? Let's get on our knees. Unless you have knees that don't work, then, you know, don't do that. I don't want, I don't want you so aware of your physical pain that you can't do business with God, okay? <laughs> I've got a knee that doesn't work very well, so I understand that. But let's have our own time of prayer with God first, and then I'm going to pray into a few of these things. And if the Lord brings up some pain of your past and you know who it's connected with, make sure you forgive that person.
Holy Spirit, would you peel back the layers of life that we have covered over the wounds of our past, the hurtful words, when we were the recipient of someone else's anger, abuse, rejection. Lord, we've learned to live with that. But tonight we want to invite you into those deep places of our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits. Lord Jesus, would you wash us deep within? Lord, would you wash over the damage that was inflicted upon us? And Lord, only by your grace can we really forgive, but tonight we choose to forgive. We recognize that the people that hurt us were hurting themselves. And Jesus, if you could say to those about those who crucified you that they didn't know what they were doing, Lord, I'm quite sure we can say these people didn't know what they were doing. Our parents didn't always know what they were doing. Our older siblings didn't always know what they were doing. Our coaches, our teachers, pastors, people we trusted, people we had relationship with. Lord, today we want to choose to forgive. And so, Lord, we grab a hold of your grace that will enable us to extend forgiveness. And, Lord, we say with all the strength that we have, that we cancel every debt that we've been holding against people. We cancel them in the name of Jesus. And we say to them, you owe me nothing. I don't need to get revenge. I don't need to get even because you owe me nothing. I canceled that debt. Thank you, Jesus, that you canceled our debt. And so we've received, Lord, your salvation by faith. We've received it knowing the power of of your blood, the power of the cross. Lord, in the same way we give forgiveness by faith. Believing that your blood is enough for others just as it was enough for us. So, Lord, would you cleanse the highway of our hearts and every pothole you see, would you fill it up with the blood of Jesus? Every crooked road, would you straighten it out in Jesus' name? Every broken place, would you repair it? Lord, every place where death has had a stranglehold over our lives, death to hope, death to vision, death to love, Death to relationship, death to finances. Lord, today we break that stronghold off of us in the name of Jesus. And we cancel every death. And we speak life. I speak life over everyone in this room. Life to their relationships. Life to their hope. Life to their joy. Lord, we confess the sin of anger. And we ask you to uproot it from our lives. Would you uproot all anger out of our DNA 
Some of us were born with anger because our parents had such anger issues. Lord, would you uproot it and cleanse it out of our DNA? Would you cleanse it out of our spiritual DNA? This area of sin that we've never really confessed or repented of, Lord, we do that tonight. I ask that you would cleanse and cancel the spiritual DNA of anger out of us. And Lord, we determined to put it off by your grace, with your help. We're gonna put off anger and we are going to put on the fruit of the spirit. We will put on patience and kindness and goodness. We will put on love, joy, and peace. We'll put on self-control. Lord, any of us that heard angry words, abusive words, name calling, Lord, would you heal that out of us tonight? Would you heal it out of our spirits and out of our souls? I cancel every word curse spoken over anyone in this room in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every word curse that you'd never amount to anything, that you would never be successful, that no one would ever really love you, that you're stupid. I cancel every word curse in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I speak your destiny over everyone in this room. May we reach the heights of what you've called us to. May we reach that place of destiny in Jesus. May we press on for the high calling of God in Jesus Christ with nothing else holding us back. And then Lord, I ask that you would infuse us with holiness and righteousness and righteous anger. So we will know when to be angry at the right time, what to say and what to do that will provoke further righteousness, that will put off all destructive carnal anger, but will put on righteous anger. May we be like Jesus who stands up for righteous things who loved his father enough to tackle what was happening in his father's house. Lord, may we be willing to tackle the evil things around us and bring, bring righteousness into that setting. Give us wisdom for that, Lord. Give us holy boldness. Give us courage. May we be the people of God that do bring light and salt into every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be drawn to our knees? Uh, we serve a holy king. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. While we were on our knees, I, I just felt the Lord prompt to my heart his words in Revelation 3, verse 20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And to him or her that opens the door, 
I will come in. The Lord is pleased with the measure of openness that you opened the door of your heart tonight. He's been waiting for that door to open for a while. It may have only been an hour or it may have been years. Nonetheless, when we open the door of our heart, he promised us, I'll come in. I'll come in. He wants to come into the dark areas and shine his light. Two weeks ago, I shared that message on light. You are the light of the world. One of the greatest joys that Janet and I have with small personal and intentional disciple-making ministry is that those, in fact, everyone needs a safe place. Everyone. Everyone needs a safe place where you can be open and honest. You can be real. Disciple-making is meant to create that place of safety. I can account for some of the greatest measures of victory over sin from the beginning of when I was in that first discipleship group in 1980 in Rockford, Illinois, where we began to share heart to heart. We began to live in the light, not just let the light shine. We wanted to live in the light because light is our greatest place of safety in a growing world of darkness. Light is our refuge. And bless the Lord for your opening the door to let the light of Jesus to come in to every hidden and dark place, especially in these areas concerning anger. We're going to have a time of getting into our smaller groups tonight. And I would encourage you to live in the light tonight. Again, I want to remind the walls of confidentiality. We want them to come and be present so that we can share without the fear of what I'm going to share with these brothers or sisters is going to go outside this group. No, in the name of Jesus. We are a sacramental people. We are a holy people. And we need to guard. We need to guard people when they come into the light we need to be a source of protection and allowing the light to shine so that healing can come deliverance be made and freedom freedom to come to the lives of all of God's people we are not meeting next week as Janet had said I'm just reminding you again go in the grace of God into your small groups and let's live in the light Let's find a place of safety in our times of sharing. And let's all leave this evening's gathering freer to the glory of God and the light of Jesus. Amen. If you don't have a group, can you come to me quickly? I'm going to put you in one. And as for next week, because it's July 5th, the church campus is closed because of July 4th. That's why we're not meeting next week. But we will meet the following week. Is everyone in a group? Okay, I guess so. So look for your leader and follow them.